This episode discusses subjects that may be inappropriate for little children. Listener discretion is advised. Which Muslim travels? I'm a Muslim and that's okay presents Gift of the Gab because everybody's got something to say. Hi everyone, may peace be on you all and welcome to this season's very first Gift of the Gab. And I can't, I mean, I can't begin to express how excited I am for my guest, Evelyn Al-Sultani. And I mean, I was, I'm going through your bio, Evelyn, okay? And as I told you before, you are the reason, like, you are the culmination of everything I've been trying to do with my podcast. But please, let me give you a proper intro. You are the leading expert on the history of representation of Arabs and Muslims in the U.S. media. You've authored the book Broken, The Failed Promise of Muslim Inclusion. That's what we're going to talk about today. And um, you've also authored, um, let me see, Arabs and Muslims in the Media, Race and Representation After 9-11. You are an associate professor at the Department of American Studies and Ethnicities at the University of Southern California. And you teach courses on the history of racism. And you've also co-founded and served as the director of Arab and Muslim American Studies program in the University of Michigan. You also serve as an educator and consultant for Hollywood studios like Netflix, Universal Studios. And you've also co-authored the Obedi al-Sultani test, which basically helps big media companies properly represent Muslims in the media, or it's basically a test of what do you measure against when it comes to proper representation, uh, as opposed to stereotype representation. And again, it's a whole lot of information, but I am so happy to have you here, Evelyn. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm so happy to be here. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you for inviting me, and I love your show so much, and I'm honored to be (laughs) a part of it. Oh, thank you so much. Again, the honor is all mine. And the thing is, with my gift of the gab, everybody knows who've watched it, is that we have difficult conversation, but I was very torn because I wanted to do you as a feature because I have your book right here. And if anybody can see it on my YouTube channel, it's like, whole got a whole lot of cat tabs here. I'm like, I want to discuss this, 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 and everything. is like, it's all like, all the pencil markings are in there. And I wanted to do a feature that's usually in my whole Muslim segment. But Gift of the Gab is where we have the difficult discussions, Evelyn. And when it comes to Muslim representation, it's a very hard and tricky subject. So you're part of my gift of the gab. Um, if I had to start out anywhere, please, for everyone, please pick up Broken. If you want to really get an understanding of how Muslim representation has been skewed and sort of has evolved over the years, this is absolutely fantastic. So it's Broken, the failed promise of Muslim inclusion. So let's start I guess from the very beginning, Evelyn, I mean, Muslim representation is not a real, you know, moneymaker study, not especially not when you started off with it. How did you get into this? (laughs) Yeah, you know, before I get started, I wanted to ask you what what movies or TV shows did you grow up with where there were Muslim characters? When I grew up, there was absolutely zero. 
Nothing. Absolute, there's nothing. Nothing. You can't think of any nothing. <laughs> anything yeah i mean yeah. I, I, i grew up in another part of the world so we had bollywood over there mm-hmm. some muslim representation but western media yeah. absolutely yeah. nothing nothing when i was growing up in the 80s uh there was a lot of invisibility but then when i mm. did see muslims it was often the context of terrorism so right Back to the Future. I loved Back to the Future. Mm. And then there's this Libyan terrorist that shows up. Yeah. I loved uh, Indiana Jones movies. And then yeah. you're like in ancient Egypt or these ancient civilizations digging up right. artifacts that only the West values. Right. And then there's a right. lot of just killing of Arab people. They're just dumb. And, and even Aladdin. Like, I think that was like the closest like yes. full muslim representation and i say that in air quotes it was but again it's so problematic it was so problematic yes i didn't grow up with aladdin i had already grown by then but i <laughs> i've been teaching students for right. a long time and many of them right. say aladdin is all we had yeah and aladdin when, all we had yeah when they get to my class they're like wow we didn't realize how racist it was if mm. we, we cut off your ear if we don't like your face it's barbaric but hey it's right. home and jasmine and aladdin have american sounding accents and everyone else mm. has non-american accents and there's just so much in there but it, that's all they had and they loved that's it so much so right. it speaks a lot to that I've spoken to so many people who are either Muslim or Arab or of any even black Latinx various identities that they struggled as a kid right except reconciling who they are because right. of all these messages that mm-hmm. made them feel like there was something wrong with them and then mm-hmm. later on in life realizing oh there's nothing wrong with me I'm just in a system of meaning that marginalizes me so I'm one of those people too that Mm. I grew up embarrassed um about my identities. My dad was Iraqi, Muslim, Shia. My mom was Catholic Cuban. Mm. My stepmom Catholic Colombian and everywhere we went, where are you from? Where are you from? Where are you? So I mean, every we grew up in New York, which is a multicultural city. I mean, there are people from right. everywhere there. And so you right. could say, "Oh, well, where are you from?" is a common question that you would ask in a multicultural city, but it was a loaded question. And so I started right. watching my dad say he was from Turkey instead of Iraq. And, oh, wow. and using the name Ken instead of Kamal, Ken from Turkey right. instead of Kamal from Iraq. And as a young girl, I didn't understand. And my right. stepmom would say she was from Spain instead of Colombia. And then I, I oh, caught wow. on quickly. Oh, when they say where they're from, then they have to talk about terrorism. They have to talk about cocaine and drug dealing. They have to talk about how they make their money. And so I think when I uh, got to college and started mm-hmm. learning in a different way and also, you know, out of that uh, fragile childhood state where you, mm-hmm. know, you don't really have self-reflection and analysis and you're just uh, impacted, I just started putting things together and sure it's not only the media that sends right. these messages, but right. I was a pop culture junkie growing up. I was watching MTV all, all the time. I, yeah, I was obsessed. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's where it started and it really took a turn for me after 9/11 cuz I was mm. watching the television I was glued to the TV like everyone else right. was trying to understand right. what had happened right. and I started seeing I expected okay now mm. we're going to see more terrorism. Now that this happened, get ready everybody, more terrorists that are Muslim. And mm. that did happen to a certain extent. Mm. 
right. more ripped from the headlines. But what I didn't expect was this patriotic Muslim character to emerge. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And so I, think, I started examining what is this? What's happening? Right. But I was when I was reading your book, I was reading the introduction. It's just like you had mentioned that post 9-11, like before uh, before 9-11, you had started doing representation studies. But it was again, it was not one of those things. It's like taking liberal arts in college. What are you going to do afterwards sort of situation? But after 9-11, people wanted you. Um, yes. So how did, I mean, how did that happen or why did that happen? Yeah, I got to college and I was started learning. I took women's studies classes and there mm. were African-American studies, and Latinx studies and all these ways to learn more about the world we live in and who right. we are in relation to the social political world. And I was right. desperate. Like, I want to learn about Arabs and I want to learn about Muslims. Mm. Oh, you want to right. learn about Muslims? You go to religious studies, Islam 101, and you right. learn about the history of the religion. Okay, right. that's that's great. And I took that class, but I want to know about how we are experiencing our identities in the United States. And similarly, right. as an Arab, you go to Middle East studies, learn about the Middle East and no, I need to learn about what it's been like to be Arab in this country where right. we are unrecognizable racially. You right. know, we're not white, we're not black. Some might identify as white, but my family, we are not white. Right. And so how do you talk about this? And so and I, Arab I was is a very, a very broad term. That's the thing. It's, yes. it's, not, it's not proper to say someone is Arab. Or mm -hmm. in, it's like saying that if like from my part of, of the world, if somebody said I was Indian and the thing is, I wouldn't take offense, but I'm not technically Indian. I could be Indian, Pakistani, Bangladeshi. It's all from the same part of the world, but you can't call them one thing. Yes, there's a lot of uh, specificity in this mm -hmm. very, very broad category. Right. So when I went to grad school in 99, I had a proposal. I want to figure out how to talk about Arabs in, the, in ethnic studies in the context of race in the United States. And there were scholars in the 90s who were grappling with this question, but it wasn't mainstream. And my advisor said, you know what, pick another topic. This is a great topic, right. but you're not going to get a job. You're going to spend six years getting a Ph.D. And so right. you should, if you want to do race in the U.S., do, do Latino studies. You know, you're Latinx. Mm. There's like a market for this, their job, right. do that. Or right. if you're interested in the Middle East and Muslims, do gender and Islam. Like there's this thing mm. about, right. you know, feminist interpretations of the Quran and the experiences of Muslim women. Right. And then and I actually took the advice. I was like, okay, I'm still going to do what I want to do. But for my exams, like you have to do these qualifying exams. I had like right. a women in Islam list. I had a Latino studies list. I had the I was like all over the map. Right, right. And then 9-11 happened and people are like, wow, your project is cutting edge. And there was an mm. opening suddenly, like this right. horrific event happened that right. impacted Muslim life right. all over the world, destroyed people's lives. Right. And right. then there's this opening where then, you know, I could get a job. Mm -hmm. I would talk to one of my colleagues, like people are being detained, deported, right. killed, and right. we're getting jobs. Right. So we're going to do the best we can to educate people on what's happening. Right. And that's where you start off in your book is just that, mm -hmm. yeah, pre 9-11, there was like this very limited and it's always often like this almost like 
awful barbaric representation of people from the Middle East or those who are Muslims. And it was negative, but not exactly, I guess, um, or maybe like you could say that they were like attacking and so on and so forth. And they were always the enemy in a sense. But post 9-11, you in your book broke down that Muslims emerged in two contexts. And then there's a third one that comes much afterwards. So if you could explain that, that post 9-11, there's definitely the conversation that, and again, there was a lot of backlash against Muslims, but then uh, you, we had to sort of create, or the media had to create a certain image of Muslims for them to be acceptable within the U.S. So please explain that. Yeah, so uh, I, I'll mention that before 9-11, all the terrorist characters that we're so familiar mm. with, and there was a construction of Arab and Muslim as the same identity. And right, right. now we're in a process of disentangling those identities. Right. But uh, for most of Hollywood's history, it's been one and the same, the Arab and Muslim right. are the same. And right. terroristic is basically since uh, the creation of the State of Israel in the 1967 war. Mm. Mm. That's where the terrorist image emerges, and it just intensifies through several political events, uh, right, such right. as the oil embargo in 1973. We get this greedy mm-hmm. oil sheik who's a threat to uh, the U.S. economy, and then with the mm-hmm. Iran hostage crisis in '79, we have a threat to American families and hostage-taking right. themes, and right. so it's just been an, an intens- intensification of that. So after 9/11, right. it's not as if oh, suddenly 9/11 happened and Arabs and Muslims are racialized and demonized and threats to national mm-hmm. security. We, we've been primed for, for decades to get to that point. And then what happens after 9-11 is that some community organizations like the Council on American-Islamic Relations, the American mm-hmm. Arab Anti-Discrimination Committee, they want to talk to media producers like 24, the TV drama 24, because right. they're concerned If we continue to portray Arabs and Muslims as terrorists, it's just going to add fuel to the fire. And it's so dangerous right right now with the Patriot Act being passed and special registration and all these policies and going to war. And the result of that advocacy work was this patriotic Muslim. And there are patriotic Muslims before 9-11. So the siege has one and Mm. uh, Not Without My Daughter has one. uh, Three Kings has one, but it becomes Mm. standardized. So that's what my first book is looking at the standardization of the quote-unquote patriotic good Muslim happens after 9-11. I'm going to pause you right there. So what's bad about the patriotic Muslim? It seems like a nice tick. What's what's the problem here? (laughs) What's the problem, Evelyn? I see no reason for this to be a problem. (laughs) (laughs) And when I first started seeing it, I felt comfort. Right. You know, I felt good. I was like, oh, this is... And then I started looking at it and so on the surface is it better sure mm. but it's limited because first we still have a story about terrorism and then you're good mm. or bad in the context of terrorism right second you can only be good if you were patriotic in a very narrow sense of the term mm. so what if your patriotism is ensuring that the u.s is a de- it holds its ideals of democracy Instead, mm. it's you're patriotic, you agree with U.S. policies, you're not going to question it, you, you, know, you just go along with it. Mm-hmm. But the, the main um, thing I found was that a lot of these sympathetic, positive images were actually making 
at least liberals feel good. Mm. Oh, and there were all these、uh, patriotic characters in contexts where there was a lot of remorse.、Mm. Storylines where it was, oh, it's so terrible that we have to racially profile. We、right. are against racial profiling, but we're in a state of national emergency, and we have to.、Mm. We're so sorry. And so there was a lot of remorseful feelings, and then you'd have this patriotic character, and in a sense, it was making the public. Feel good that we're not as racist as we think we are, but、mm. meanwhile we're going to go to war in Iraq that had nothing to do with 9/11, and we're going to kill 150,000 civilians. But it's really、mm. not—it's not as bad as you think. So I'm looking at how it was like a false comfort, and how it is—it was actually operating、um, to conceal and perpetuate、um, very racist, damaging practices against Muslims. And it doesn't mean that the people who are doing it are having these. Ulterior motives, but it's feeding、right. a narrative, and then、uh, underlying your question <laughs> about what's wrong with it.、Uh, as you know,、uh, what's also wrong with it is well, how can we be as Muslims?、Mm. So we're acceptable if we're patriotic. Okay, thank right. you. Right. Period. And and that's the thing. That's what you、uh, bring up in your book. It's just that you we. Then have to prove the patriotism. It's、um, it's a very like that's the thing. I think people don't realize the the amount of influence media has on our very existences.、Um, I'm could be walking down the street and I'm I'm just like a regular person. I'm going doing my groceries. Somebody could come up and be like, "You're you're a terrorist. You have to prove your patriotism to me." And you know that that that's that's. I mean that's it's not something that people think about, but for Muslims, it's always this underlying anxiety that we have is that somebody is going to be out there asking us to prove that we're worthy of being here, even though both of us born in this country, we have a right to be here. But just because of that stereotype, it's just like people will be out there. Okay, we've seen the patriotic Muslim. How are you patriotic? Sort of situation. Yes, and、uh, some studies have shown. There's a professor at Santa Barbara, UC Santa Barbara, who's done a study that shows that when we consume images of Muslims as violent repeatedly, that、mm. viewers are more likely to support war in Muslim-majority countries,、right. more likely to support civil liberty restrictions on Muslims in the U.S.、Mm. And then there was another study about the New York Times. From、um, an organization called Four One Six Labs, and they looked at over two decades of New York Times reporting that showed that over fifty percent of stories attribute terrorism to collective responsibility. So we are、right. all responsible. We all have to speak. I don't know anything about terrorism, but I have to speak. To, you have to speak to it. Right. I don't know anything about the oppression of Muslim women, but you know what? You got to talk about it. You have to right, be re- right. prepared to speak on behalf of the community. And、right. so these stories are powerful. Stories、right. are not, you know. I've heard so much in doing this work. It's just entertainment. We all know it's、mm. just entertainment, but it's not just entertainment. No, it's not no. policy making. No, no, you're creating a story. It is not creating policy. You are not deciding to go kill someone, but、right. what you are producing, you know, as you said, if someone walks up to you in the store, what、mm. do they know about who Muslims are? Well, the stories we're consuming, and after nine eleven, whole lot of terrorism, whole lot of threats、oh, yeah. to national security, and then there's the good one. Yeah, yeah. are you the good one? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs>
And first was the Patriot. The other uh, that came out, you had said, was the informant. If you could please elaborate on that. Because that was interesting. I was like, I never thought about that. But, you know, yeah. Yeah. So the informant is part of the, the Patriot. But the, mm. the second one actually is the secular Muslim. Mm. Who I also refer to through Bill Maher's language as the nominal Muslim. Yes, so is, yes. Yes. A Muslim character who is Muslim in name only, but Islam is irrelevant to their lives. Right. And so in in the uh, so I'm thinking about Aziz Ansari, for example, or Kamel mm. Nanjiani. And it's no judgment on how they are of as course. Muslims. Like there's no, diversity no, no. in our community. Some are secular, right. some are religious, some are in the middle, some are whatever. But right, the point right. is what becomes acceptable Right. in terms of how Muslims can be portrayed in the media. So that's my big right. question. And so we have the Patriot responding to the terrorist. Right. Okay. Oh, the terrorist. It's a bad stereotype. Throw in a patriotic one and then the stereotype won't be so bad. Oh, right. we have this fanatic. You can't reason with them. They're just these extremist religious fanatics. Well, how about if we have secular Muslims and show mm. that not all of them are fanatics? So then right. we have this category emerge and we start seeing the possibility for secular Muslims and great that's right. a part of who we are but right. what else who else are we right is it only these two categories in the book I refer to it as stereotype confined expansions mm -hmm. and that they're limited so you have a stereotype you respond to it and then you're confined right. by the stereotype it's not just you're and, a person right right and that's the thing uh, you had also mentioned that Muslim representation is reactive when it comes to the media. What does that mean? Like, what does it mean that media is reactive to Muslim representation? Yeah, so we could say uh, reactive in the sense that there's a political event and you're ripping from the headlines. And mm. then all you get is terrorism for decades and decades because of these, of the headlines right. are all about war and conflict. Uh, then it can be reactive that, well, the Council on American Islamic Relations is on us, so let's throw mm. in a patriot. Right. Or it could be the big one was responses to the Muslim ban. Yes. Yeah. So Donald Trump, 2015 on the campaign trail before he becomes president, utters his idea. We got to ban Muslims until we figure out what the hell is going on. Right. Okay. And then Hollywood responded. And mm. we end up having an expansion in representations of Muslims that we've never seen before. Right. Whether we're at the promised land, not yet. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to get there, but right. significant changes. And I have right. a few examples that I wrote down because I forget them. We got, um, well, right now we have Hulu's Rami. Mm -hmm. We have Mo on Netflix. We have mm. Ms. Marvel on Disney+. Plus. Yes. We are Lady Parts, which is my favorite, mm -hmm. on Peacock. Mm. Sort of which is about a transgender Pakistani Muslim on HBO Max. Mm -hmm. And these are five shows that are written by Muslims. And I would put them in a separate category because right. they're finally, people are telling their own stories. So we right. have those. But then we have other stories that are not written by Muslims where you have the inclusion of a Muslim. Right. So there's a show called FBI. And it mm. sounds like the patriotic Muslim, but it's not that. It's a Dick Wolf show. He did Law and Order and Law and Order mm. SVU, and now he has FBI. And one of the two leading FBI agents uh, is played by Zeke Zaki, and uh, his character is an Arab Muslim character, and he's just, you know, going case by case. So that is significant. We have DC Legends of Tomorrow, 
Mm. There's an Iranian Muslim superhero. This mm. happened after the whole Muslim ban thing. 911 Lone Star, there is an Arab Muslim woman in a hijab as a firefighter. Uh, the bull type had the first lesbian Muslim on television. It was an Iranian mm. Muslim character. Uh, Lena Waits, the, sh the shy, has the rapper Common playing an imam. Mm. Uh, cool J came out as Muslim on an episode of NCIS. Mm. Uh, even shows like Love Victor, there's uh, Rahim, his friend, who's an Iranian, gay Iranian Muslim. Uh, Alison Abdullah on um, Orange is the New Black mm. is a Muslim prison inmate. And Transplant is a show out of Canada that was on NBC. And it's mm. about a Syrian refugee doctor who's Muslim. So we have these stories, context outside of terrorism, creating characters. There, there are more than this. Uh, you know, Tan France on Queer Eye is another example. Where we're seeing, right. you know, diversity of Muslim identities, experiences. Right. So there was a response. Here's right. what I want to know. There was a serious response after mm. Muslim ban. Right. That response did not happen after War on Terror, during War on Terror. Right. Again, it's reactive. But what is it a reaction to? That, that's that's the, the crux of all of this. Why now, Hollywood? Yes. I mean, we've been around for a while now. I mean, like forever. So why now? That's the yes. thing. That's what you cover in your book. Yes. So please tell my audience, why now? Why are we why born now? now? I've been, uh, you know, wrap, <laughs> trying to wrap my head around this. Why right. would we get such a response now when there was Patriot Act? There was right. special registration, which was very similar to Muslim ban. Mm -hmm. There was war in Afghanistan, war in Iraq. Mm -hmm. There was the Abu Ghraib prison scandal. And it's right. not that people weren't outraged by these things, but it right. didn't lead to social change. Right. So there's something about Trump. That and, and, produce social change, and I think it's because he's so overtly racist. So what you're saying is basically is that Hollywood was is doing this to prove it's not racist, or that, that it it loves Muslim just because Trump doesn't. I would say that Hollywood collective like. Um, a mass, a critical mass of people in Hollywood felt a sense of responsibility because of how explicitly um, racist and discriminatory Trump was. That if we were under Obama, oh, you know, it's not so bad. We have a black man as president. And I think people were under the illusion that just things weren't so bad. And his explicitness how about this? And mm -hmm. I mean, I'm just like throwing this out there. I think at some level, the U.S. media was using Hollywood as damage control for the rest of the world because Trump was so bad. So mm -hmm. I think that that's what sort of comes into my mind, because, again, um, everybody, every other president was not this overtly terrible so Hollywood didn't need to do damage control. But now with Trump as he was, I think that's where it boiled down to. It's just like, we can't make the U.S. look that bad. Let's bring Muslims to the forefront. 
I think that's a valid point. Yes, like he cannot represent us. We need to do、right. something about it. And right, so now、right. we're going to show that we are, we really are diverse and inclusive. We're going to include Muslims. We're going to include queer people. We're going to include Black people. We're going to do Latin.、Right. We're going to we're going to do it all. Right, right. And that's what what I mean. It sort of comes down to like with all these different representations, not just Muslim, like queer representation. Like again, it was it's historically been terrible in Hollywood, like really, really bad. And now there's so much more of it, which is fantastic.、Uh, but again, it's very reactive and all of these things. But then, you know, when right now we have social media, and everybody gets called out for their, I would say, having blinders on in a sense, because Hollywood has this tendency of. Having very one-dimensional characters doesn't、yes. matter who it is.、Uh, very one-dimensional,、um, especially when it comes to minority representations. So what started out like there started all sort of representation tests started coming out that a film, especially like representation of women, it had to be measured against these certain standards. And then there was the Oscar backlash of Oscar so white.、Uh, You know, there was no character, a minority cap, character, person of color that was there. All of these then came. There was the representation tests that came out that you, if you wanted a real representation in movie, an authentic one, it had to measure out. And that's where your your co-author test, the Obedi Al Sultani test, came in. So please explain to us, like, what's in that test, and how do media companies sort of do the comparison, and do all of them do it? Yeah. So、um, the Obeidi Al Sultani test emerged、uh, when I was talking、mm-hmm. and working with Sue Obeidi, who's the director of the Hollywood Bureau at the Muslim Public Affairs Council,、mm-hmm. and Empath、uh, holds workshops for Muslim writers. To、mm-hmm. help them develop their scripts and connect them to Hollywood, and they、right. also do a lot of consulting in Hollywood.、Mm-hmm. And we were talking about how, wow, they're really trying. Hollywood's <laughs> trying right now, but but hey, did you see you know that、uh, episode of Nine One One Lone Star where the firefighter in the hijab she's on the job and her hijab falls off and her hair is flying in the wind? Like, oh wow, why why are they doing that? What's、right. what's up with that? Or You know, did you see on the bull type with the lesbian character that she wears a hijab, but then she has her cleavage showing? It's like、oh, I don't really understand. Like, it seems like they're missing something. Or, right. right. So, did you see in Aladdin how they actually finally didn't do whitewashing in the 2019、right. live action? Right. Right. Arab and Iranian、um, and South Asian actors、right. playing the finally, but it's an Orientalist film,、mm. so it feels like it is. You get this, but you don't get that, right? We'll give you, we'll give, we'll give you non-whitewashed cast, but Orientalism—it's nice. What, what, what's wrong with it? White people like it. Yeah, exactly. It sells. We make money doing that. So、right. we were talking like, wow, they're making effort, but there are all these instances where it just doesn't get far enough. It feels、right. like this compromise. So we said, what if we made a test to just help、mm. them highlight the common errors and. I should mention that there are other tests out there that inspired、right. our test.、Right. So there's the Bechtel test, which is like the original,、uh, mm-hmm. and it's a test to measure representations of women. 
and it says that if there are two female characters,、mm. they talk to each other about something other than a man. Right. Historically, right. that's all women talk about. They don't know how to talk about、right. anything else. And then there have been other the Duvernay test after Eva Duvernay, which is about having、uh, people of color have fully realized lives. There's、right. a Rousseau test for LGBTQ representation, an Isla test for Native American representation, and then ours is not the first on Muslim representation. There is a Riz test out of the UK,、mm-hmm. and it highlights the terrorism, oppression of women, all the key tropes to highlight to Hollywood.、Right. Look, this is how you portray us. Right. And there's also a new Muslim women's test. Uh, mm. Out of the Gina Davis Institute,、right. and it highlights oppression, leaving your religion, you know, those、mm. kinds of issues.、Right. Ours is not trying to highlight the stereotypes, but the we see you trying and failing.、Mm. So we actually had these postcards made recently because、um, oh wow,、uh, Sue invited me to Sundance、oh, Film Festival to talk、fantastic. about this. Yeah,、Great. and so. And you'll notice there the good ones we have,、right. uh, yeah, including yeah. Marvel in there.、Uh, but it, the, we have five criteria, and so the first one says that the project that includes a Muslim character does not reproduce or reinvent old tropes, but explores、mm-hmm. new stories. So the、right. idea here is we don't have to redo Orientalist stories. We、right. don't have to redo terrorism with three-dimensional characters because that's also a、right. trend. Let's redo.、Right. Let's tell the story, but. There's backstory and it's a complicated. We don't、mm. need to do that. How about new、yeah. stories? Okay. The next is that、uh, you should have at least one Muslim-identifying writer on your team、mm-hmm. if you're writing about Muslims. Right. Rather than tacking me on as a consultant at the very end when there's barely anything、right. I can do, there are Muslim writers and creatives, and you can avoid、mm-hmm. all the mistakes that I mentioned earlier by、right. having, if you're writing about the community, have people of that community as part of your team.、Mm. The Muslim character is not solely defined by their religion, right? So religion can be part of who you are. But we noticed、right. there were some shows where, if you're Muslim, like people have this idea of who you are, and so、right. you are a religious being or a political being, and there's nothing else to you, right? So right. very robotic.、Mm-hmm. The Muslim character has a strong presence,、mm. so we do not expect lead Muslim characters in every show. But there、right. is a tendency in doing diversity work that you just throw someone in the background, right? So Grey's Anatomy, for example, which has been amazing in terms of diversifying casts, and、mm. it's you know it's really shifted what's possible in terms of representation. They threw Dr. Kadri in the background, and when she was no longer on the show, didn't matter. Didn't matter. So, but yeah, it's yeah. a larger practice in diversifying.、Right. Oh, just throw it in the background. Right, and the final one is that the Muslim character is portrayed with diverse backgrounds and identities, which means that not every Muslim has to be Arab, not every Arab has to be Muslim, not every you know right. that we、right. are a very diverse、uh, group of people, and to explore that diversity.、Mm. So, from my understanding, the a good show with good Muslim representation should score five out of five from that. Yes, correct. Okay. So in the in your book, you've mentioned, if I can remember correctly, and my memory doesn't serve me very well, you mentioned like three shows that I can remember. First one was All American Muslims. Second was was Shahs of Sunset. 
And the third one was Rami. And you had put in uh, the others that you had mentioned, but these were the ones that you had explored in like a bit of details. And the fourth one I'm just going to throw in there because I love it uh, is Miss Marvel. So if you had yes. to put these against the Suubedi test, um, how would they score? Okay, well, all American Muslims and Shahs of Sunset are in that category of responding to the stereotype, the stereotype right. confined expansion. Uh, okay. Do they explore new stories in context? Shaz of Sunset explores a new story in context. Right. All American Muslim kind of does, but you know, you're trapped in that patriotic thing. Mm -hmm. They have, well, Muslim identifying writers on staff. Well, uh, uh, an Arab Muslim created All American Muslim. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but Shaz of Sunset, I mean, it's a reality TV show. It's scripted right. in certain ways, yeah. but <laughs> yes, it's you know, it, it's, it, it passes, I think the second criteria. Are they defined by their religion? I mean, both are trying to show people beyond religion. In Shahs of Sunset, religion is irrelevant, right. at least if you're Muslim. Muslim character has a strong presence. Okay, they're front and center. Muslim right. characters portray with diverse backgrounds. There's a big criticism of all American Muslim because it sounded like, you know, this, mm -hmm. a lot of people said it should be called like Lebanese Shia American yeah. Muslim or something <laughs> like that. So, uh, uh I mean, it's like on the surface, it does pretty well, but, and, uh, yeah. But there's I mean, a problem with both of them. And again, I'm not, yes. I haven't watched either of those. I had only heard of all American uh, Muslims. I didn't, I hadn't even heard of Shahs of Sunset. But when you described them in the book, I was like, well, geez, Louise, um, how much do I wish to really point somebody in the direction of all American Muslims or Shahs of Sunset when it says, oh, do you ha have a good show in mind when it comes to Muslim representation? I was like, yeah, those two shows are not going to be it. So, I mean, I think that's the thing. Yeah. Um, even though on the surface they may like check mark majority of the boxes, but there was it's and that's the thing. This was very close to post 9-11 and pre-Trump, this was these were still going on the nominal Muslim and the patriotic Muslim tropes. Yes, exactly. So that's where the sort of the problem lies with with all of these. I think when it comes to diversification, the diversification in these uh, both of these shows was very constructed, if I had mm -hmm. to put in a that it didn't show the actual heart of Muslim representation. And again, I'm not saying that all Muslims sort of look like me or look like you. But the fact is, these characters were also artificial. If I had to put any words to it, mm -hmm. they were very artificial. Yeah, I think with all American Muslim, it was you know, the person who made it, Mike Musalem, he's done amazing work. He recently did mm -hmm. a, a romantic comedy. Um, I'm forgetting the name right now, but it's a right. it's, it's a romantic comedy with like gay Arab Muslim men in it. Which, you know, you right. never see anything like that. He's doing amazing right, right. work. And at the moment, it was such an important show, but it was really trapped by we're patriotic. We're good Americans. We're a fight. You know, there's a police officer. Uh, right. There's a football coach. It was just really trying 
And I and I and I got to meet some of the cast once on a panel, and they were like, "We don't know why people are following us. We're just normal people living our lives, like picking up our kids from school and feeding them dinner, and right, you know, right. we're not that interesting." But it was trying to show the public, "Look, they're not so bad." Right. That and that's the thing, and you had mentioned this in the book as well. All American Muslims never got beyond one season. But I think sh- I, I don't know about Shahs of Sunset again. I don't follow eight. any of these. But it it went for eight seasons, and you had mentioned the reasoning why it was so like all American Muslims were, in a sense, and you and that's not the words you used in the book, but they were boring. Yeah. And I was like, it it just showed Muslims as we are. We're going to Target mm-hmm. as well. We're picking up like yeah. extra stuff that we shouldn't be probably t- getting from Target, but still. Um, but Shahs of Sunset was this uh, this um, feeding into the American greed of materialism, yeah. and that was fantastic. Spectacle. It was just this. It, it was a spectacle. It just you threw the label Muslim on it, or like some semblance of Muslim on it, sort of situation. So again, I mean, if I had to like put it in my like that, w- that's not real diversity but it's very mm-hmm. consumable di- diversity but it's not actual real diversity in representation but again i'm it's just my opinion i'm not the expert in this <laughs> yes yes with shots of sunset it was a spectacle it's right. um wealth and bikinis right. and partying mm. and fighting with your friends and ar- arguments right. and throwing drinks at them. And it was, uh, <laughs> it, it fits a certain mold of reality television. Right. While all American Muslim didn't fit a particular mold. And it was really nice, normal people going about their lives. So it didn't their have the, the drama that I think viewers look for viewers in reality wanted. television. But what about Rami and Miss Marvel? How would you put those down when it comes to the Suvedi test? Uh, sorry, I mean, I feel like I feel like the five shows I mentioned: Ms. Marvel, Rami, Mo, Sorta, of, mm-hmm. Lady Parts. They don't need a test. Ah, and I'm not saying that just by virtue of being Muslim that you would pass the test because there are plenty right, of right. Muslims who feed into stereotypes. Right, but I. These five shows that are written by Muslims mm. are telling, you know, different kinds of stories than the ones that we've seen. And I know right. I've spoken to a lot of Muslims. Oh, they don't like Rami or they don't like this and they don't like that. Right, right. That, that's fine. We're all allowed to have our tastes. Right. But it's all of these shows are still really important when you understand the history of representations that we've never had anything like this before. And right. they do push the needle forward. Right. And I mean, I I bring up Miss Marvel personally because again, it was the first time that mm-hmm. as somebody of Pakistani background, I I when I'd read about, it, I wanted to watch it so desperately, and I, I I didn't tell my my family that what kind of background it had. It's like you have to watch Miss Marvel with me, and that's the thing. That's what I think a lot of people don't understand. Their entire beings lit up when they saw themselves as full characters as full beings represented on TV. It's something we have never experienced before. That's the importance of what you are trying to do with with your book, with all that you do in representation studies, is that we have a right as well to see ourselves as full, complete people that are not just this or that. 
Because no person, no identity is ever this or that. Exactly. The worst thing about Ms. Marvel is that it was only six episodes in the season. I know. I need a season two yeah. so bad. Yeah. <laughs> as you said, we want to see ourselves. And even if, right. you know, for me with these five shows, even if I'm not uh, Pakistani trans, like I love mm. sort of like if, if right. I just love seeing that. I love that. Right that that story is told. And I often, you know, in the many years that I've been giving uh, talks about this topic, uh, sometimes audience members ask me, you know, oh, well, Muslims have committed acts of terror, so what's the big deal of representing them? And the problem isn't that Muslims are portrayed as terrorists, but that we've gotten that, we don't get out of other things. So like, right. white people do bad things, Yeah. But if we have a serial killer show, we don't think all white people are serial killers and that the whole community or, has to or respond. Or worse, I mean, um, there was a, the series on Ted Bundy. and I, I, My mind is blanking out. I know what out. you're talking about. And people were romanticizing yes. this really horrific man who committed acts of atrocities. Yes. And I was like, but he, he legitimately brutally killed and then like cannibalized people and was it Dahmer? I mean, yeah jeffrey Dahmer. yes sorry yeah. my yeah, yeah. my bad it's okay like my brain but yeah there were people romanticizing him and how he's he hot represent like it's hot i'm like no no mm -hmm. no y'all are yeah. missing the point here yes. <laughs> like this is not okay people were dressing up their kids as jeffrey Dahmer, and i was like Y'all, y'all need help, man. <laughs> wow. Because no, please do not. But that's the thing. We don't get that luxury. But if it was like a, a white character, they could do bad things, but still not have an entire population be cast as that. Right, right. There's no collective responsibility or assuming that right. all white people... Right. Are going to cannibalize, murder, and eat you. Yeah. Um, it's not a thing. It's not it's a happened, thing. But it's not a thing. It's not a thing. But, no. you know. um, but I'm so grateful that you, you know, took out time and talked to us about this. It's so important to everybody. Please go out and buy Broken, The Failed Promise of Muslim Inclusion. It's a fantastic book. And I'm not just saying because I'm interviewing you, but I usually don't read like nonfiction, but I just, I couldn't put it down. I was like, I'm sitting there, I'm writing, like it's all, especially it's so informative and it's so relevant about really the heart of representation um, and how it's, it's more important now than ever with the world being globalized, diversity, the newer generation, they want this. They want to be able to see themselves and not just the same old stereotypes. So please um, tell everybody where they can get this book, where they can find you to, you know, tell us more. What do you know? Inform us, educate us. Thank you. So you can buy the book at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever you buy your books. Mm. NYU Press's website also. And uh, you can learn more about me at my website, evelynallsultani.com. Thank and you I'll for having me, Shayla. 
Oh, it's always my pleasure. I'll put all of those links in the show notes. They can see it on the screen as well. Thank you so much for being here with me, Evelyn. And thank you to everybody who's tuned in and heard us on their favorite podcasting platform or watched us on YouTube. Y'all take care of yourself and may peace be on you all. Thank you so much for tuning in to I'm a Muslim and That's Okay. And if you wish to follow my social media for more updates, you can follow me on Instagram, on Facebook, and on YouTube. All the links to those are in the show notes. And if you are on Apple or on Spotify or on Podchaser, please do give my podcast a five-star rating. It really does help get me, you know, in the public eye. And if you wish to donate to support the podcast, you can do so through the PayPal link in my show notes as well. Take care.